so when I wanted to get into into the cafe game, and I told dad when I was younger, it's like, I want to follow your footsteps as well and do the same thing you do. Dad's, the first thing dad said to me was, if you want to do this, you got to know how to do everything. You got to know how to cook, you got to know how to make coffee, you got to know how to clean, you got to know how to do the books, how to do the rostering, the wages, pretty much every aspect of it, you need to know how to do. That way no one can grab you by the balls and try and twist them in a certain way. I love it. So essentially you're not holding your ransom. Yeah, basically. Um, and so f- working in the in the cafes with mum and dad from a young age, I used to work in the kitchens. Um, so I used to love the whole cooking side of things and I wanted to become a chef. You said, so yeah. I got involved when I was younger, when I could. And so now when we design a menu, we would design it in a way with the chef that dad and I can jump in there if something were to happen. If one of the chefs walked out, if, I mean, everyone's a flight risk. No one's ever going to stay there forever. Welcome to A Table for Two. Inspiring and educational interviews and stories with the best operators, owners and entrepreneurs in business and the hospitality industry. My name is Phil Halani and on today's episode, we chat to Anthony Kanasiotis. Anthony and his family are responsible for some of Sydney's most memorable venues. Anthony's family have been in takeaway shops and restaurants for over 30 years, but they made their name in a venue that was ahead of its time in the butcher's block, Warunga, in 2013, with customers traveling all over New South Wales to visit their venue. They then opened a bar and restaurant next door called The Butcher's Apprentice. The family ended up selling both venues to open Goodfields, which was built in 2018 and has become an instant hit. Anthony, who credits his success to his family, in my opinion, is one of Sydney's best restaurateurs. His ability to create amazing venues with excellent food, service, and coffee, while also making sure his business is always running at its maximum potential, is what makes him such a great operator. He has an amazing ability to stay calm, even in the most stressful situations, knows how to cover every row in the venue from chef to barista, and is always trying to find ways to grow and improve. I love the way he constantly gives praise to his family, especially his father, who he says is his biggest mentor. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I do. A quick shout out to our good friends at Procow Dairies and Sonoma Bread, and of course, MD Providors, who are all passionate about supporting small businesses, the hospitality industry, and also this podcast. I started the interview by asking Anthony how he got his start in the industry. So my family's always been involved in hospitality since the moment I was born, basically, and just grew up working and loving hospitality. And, and what was your first experience? How old were you when you first started working? I think I was around nine years old, give or take, a, give or take a year. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Family a- business. Any Greek cafe is always going to be legal. It doesn't matter how old you are. As long as you're a pair of hands, they want you in there. 100%. No, I loved it. It was fantastic. Just working back of house, basically kitchens, washing, chopping, burning fingers, uh, all the fun stuff. <laughs> so you started at nine, obviously helping where you can. When yeah. was it that you really like, at what age were you when you like, I love this and I want to, I want to do it as a, as a career? Um, I think I would have been in year, year 11, I think it was. Yeah, year 11, came out of my shell as well. I was a very shy, shy young boy. Um, and I think mum and dad had a cafe in Lane Cove at that point. And I remember I used to go from being shy, just trying to hang out in the back of the kitchen, just hiding away from everyone, hiding away from life. And just... You, did, you didn't like front of house? No, I hated it. I just, really? Because I was so shy as well. Just the interaction and seeing new people and talking to them was so weird. Yeah. And then started working behind the coffee machine and just found a new love for it. A new that's, love for life, basically. That's awesome. So yeah. it's, you love hospital, but coffee is where you really got your passion for and things like that. 
I think just the whole thing as well. So I got a lot more involved um, with the whole book side of things, looking at the whole functioning of the business. And I just loved it from the get-go. From, for, well, not from the get-go, but from that point. From that point when you started, yeah. like, yeah, year 11, you said it was yeah. a cool I guess I guess I matured at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and you realised how good you were on the floor, so you're like, let's do it. Um, and, and did you go to university? Like, obviously, year 11 is when you started really enjoying it, but did you go to university and, and study anything hospitality-related or...? I, so mum and dad and my cousins actually, who were over in Greece, they were all pushing for me to go to university. I didn't want to. I wanted to become a chef. I loved cooking. Oh, wow. I loved all that aspect. That aspect. And so mum and dad were talking for a while. My cousins were talking to me for a while. It's like, give you a go. If you don't like it, you can always just quit. At least you've given it a go. You know what it's like. Yeah. And you can say with confidence that you don't like it. So I thought, well, I might as well give it a go managed to scrape through and get into a business management degree so I did that did a bachelor's loved it stuck it out and grateful that i've done it i think it just the small little things you can take away from it yeah um but most of the things that funnily enough most of the things that i learned there were things that dad had taught me through working wow. in the cafes so every time you learn something you're like hold up i learned this at the cafe but just yeah. not with the right correct term exactly it's like oh well this this uh this whole theory has a name to it <laughs> that's crazy that's so amazing crazy, and obviously yeah. your dad like probably like our, our parents um immigrants came from overseas really with mm-hmm. nothing and yeah. then they learned how to do everything on their own and, and they, they built that education through work physically working yeah basically just through real life learning experiences that's amazing man so obviously you'd recommend university just more of a kind of just give you more of an idea on the education side of thing i think um so one of the arguments my cousins were pushing to give it a go was because it just it doesn't matter what you learn from it it's just how you view life and how you handle certain situations how you look at things it's like anything the more i guess any kind of experience you go through it you learn something even if it's the smallest thing you're still walking away ahead I think that's the most important thing, just learning, right? Yeah. As long as you're always learning. So um, can you tell us, you've probably had that we know of four or five venues um, since Butcher's Block. Can you go through as many as you can remember, how many venues you you've been part of? So Butcher's Block was the first one. Yeah. That was, was supposed to open end of 2012. Ended up opening, uh, I think it was February 4th, 2013. Okay. And then we opened up... I think it was a year and a half later after that, we opened up next door, the little restaurant wine bar. Butcher's Apprentice. Butcher's Apprentice. Yeah. We had that for about six months, I think it was, and then sold both together. Uh, was that was it because did Butcher's Apprentice do well? Because obviously we'll talk about Butcher's Block and, and the massive impact it had yeah. on the industry, yourself, the business. But w- when you opened Butcher's Apprentice, was that a strategic move, open next door, then sell the lot, or was it just it, the timing? It was just timing. Um, it was just really good timing, I guess, and got a really stupid offer. Couldn't say no to it. And at the same time, they approached us for where we are now in Linfield. Um, and so it just worked out well. So how, 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 what year was it when they approached you for Linfield? It would have been 2015. And five yeah. years later, it took you five years to open Linfield. Yeah, so basically because when they approached us it was still i think in the planning stages okay so it was a new development going up yeah i think there's two towers i can't remember how many units are above us um but it was just a big big project yeah and so that a few delays as well with council and by the time they got their approvals through 
So fair enough. So we'll talk about Goodfields because obviously that's the current venue you have now. Yeah. But um, that's a huge. That's huge because you guys sold in 2015 and yeah. you're expecting 2017 to really open Linfield. Yeah. You guys were delayed. So in between, you obviously opened um, another venue, Mr. Spofforth. Yes, correct. Spofforth, so yeah. we had the property there in Cremorne, Mossman, right on the border, and it was a bit, a bit of an old building, a little bit derelict, and it was vacant. And we thought, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity for us to just fix up the building. We'll open a little cafe in there as well. Kill some time whilst we're waiting for for Linfield to be ready, um, and then just we'll sell it, have a good lease in place, and yeah, nice. strategy move. That's all. So essentially, it was just one bit. You had the building, you had the time. You might as well do something. And you you still own that building? Yeah. And yeah. you just sold the business? Yes, correct. Awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna. Well, this was a bit of question a bit later on, but. You spoke about owning the building. Is that a strategy you guys have where you go in, you try to buy the building and the cafe? Obviously, it's a cash flow thing, right? Yeah. Do you guys um, try to buy the building every time you open a venue or how does it work? Not necessarily. So like this one here now where we're in in Linfield, we won't, definitely won't go for the building. It's just strata. Okay. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. Strata's always headache and there's more, uh, more negative connotation yeah, the headaches like, that come with strata right yeah exactly especially because residential upstairs even worse yeah and yeah. you just constantly and it's just the headache's not worth it right yeah and do you with um butcher's block did you guys own the property so we own where the apprentice is okay. so next door um but don't own so the the second butcher to own the pre to own the the butcher shop there that it used to be, he owns the property still. So oh, this is wow. like early 1900s. Actually, I read somewhere he he actually, um, I didn't realise, I thought maybe you just bought it off him, but they said somewhere where he'd always come in, grab a coffee when you guys were there, the butcher, and he was like pretty proud of the place that you guys had created, right? Yeah, it was so hard because he was there for so long. From, he was there from, I think, it was in his teens. He started off there as an apprentice. And then when the butcher that was there originally sold it to him, he didn't move out, I think... So he kept running it as a butcher shop for oh, how many years was it? Like, like 50 years. Wow. 50 years, yeah. And ha having, let's talk about the butcher's block because that was, in my opinion, that, that shop there will still be cool and relevant today. What, tell us about the process, man, from signing the lease to your first, this is your first venue. So your dad's obviously owned cafes before. Yeah. But tell us about the process of, from signing the lease to how old were you and then the process from opening to opening. I think I was 20, 22. Yeah, so I was 22 years old. Um, and I remember we were sitting around the corner at one of the other cafes having coffee with our lawyer. He's also a really close family friend of ours. And I think we were talking about another, another premises we were looking at and it just wasn't ticking all the boxes for us. And we were going to go for a walk around the block just to go to our cars basically as we were walking around there we see this for lease side on this premises. And we'd always loved Warunga, especially dad. Dad had a, some, like a real big soft spot for Warunga and always wanted something there. Yeah. And when we saw the for lease sign, it just happened to be the agent who was around the corner who was leasing it. I was like, oh, let's go have a walk through, see what it's like, just get the keys quickly and we'll see what's in there. So what, what, it was a butcher shop at the time? Yeah, so it was a, it was a closed butcher shop. Okay. So the old tenant had moved out um, things just weren't working out for him. So it was vacant. So we started walking through there. And I remember as we were walking through, we see the old cool room that was in there. And the cool room was probably like 
a metre to a metre and a half thick of a wall. It was just ridiculous, like old cork and brick yeah. and all sorts of things in there. It's amazing how far we've come from those days. A little bit different, huh? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different now. Um, and as soon as we saw it, we saw the back driveway as well so, so long. It just would have been a great outdoor space as well. And it's like, you know what, let's just go put a holding deposit down. Wow, that we day? Yeah, that day. We didn't have our checkbook and our lawyer... He was forcing it as well. He's like, no, that's it. I'm going to sign the, uh, wow. I'll sign a check for you. Just put a holding deposit down. So and then. Was it just the bones of the building? Was it just that driveway? Was it. So it was, I guess the four walls, the roof, and it had still, it had the retail divider um, in the butcher shop. So f what separated the front of the house, the back of the house there. And it had the old cool room in there, had a sink as well as the meat rails on the wall still. Um, and that was it. And obviously approved for food and you knew that you could do a cafe there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So talk to us about your first venue. So obviously the first one's always the hardest. Obviously we spoke about it's you, you're, you're the most passionate when it's your first one. But what was it like for you, man, being 20, you said 23? 22. 22, sorry. Yeah. What was that process like for you, man? I think I was very fortunate that obviously being in business with dad, mum yeah. and dad, um, they've gone through a lot, experienced a lot. And here I am, just a young mind, trying to be young, wild and free. Yeah. But it's good to have that grounded side as well. Um, so it was a real, it was probably the biggest learning experience that I had. But it was fun. It was fun doing it with mom and dad as well and seeing their perspective on things yeah. and getting a much bigger appreciation um, for what they do and how they did it. And the way they think, seeing all those angles is just amazing. That's awesome. And... And obviously, we'll talk more about your parents and the impact they've had, and yeah, your, your exactly. parents and your brother and stuff. But what was what was the expectation like of Butcher's Block when you opened, when you before you opened, and then what was the reality? So we had quite a few delays when we were doing the fit out process. There was a bit of building work, construction work to do part of it as well, um, especially like the back outdoor deck converting the driveway to to a raised deck. A lot area. of work, out, big big cost, big build. Big build, big build. I think the builder that we signed on with just wasn't the right fit. Okay. But in the end, we got there, which is good. Um, so I remember the first the first day we opened was just absolute chaos because the first time that mum and dad as well had done such a big venue, mm. um, it was a completely different layout and concept to what they've done in the past. But before that venue, what were the kind of venues like? Um, so they start off like the first the first food business they did was a deli in McMahon's Point. Then they did a chicken shop um, and then all just corporate area and industrial area, takeaway style shops. Um, Lane Cove was more a mix of like residential and businesses as okay. well. Um, so that was a bit of a transition style yeah, cafe. Of um, and this was like the first real suburban cafe. Okay. So for them, it was a bit of a shock for them as well, like you said, because yeah. it was a massive venue, completely different. How many seats? Uh, it would have been about 90 seats. Wow. Um, and it's maybe a couple extra where we could fit in. <laughs> wherever you can squeeze in. Your, your hospitality, you'd make sure of that. So. Yeah, of course. Um, so, so you obviously open gangbusters from day one? Yeah, so day one, um, there was probably about an hour, hour and a half wait on food. It was just ridiculous. So good. Yeah. Good times. It was absolutely... Like, so the f I think... After about two hours of being open, so we opened at 6 a.m., um, after about two hours, we had pretty much a queue out the front of people just waiting wow. to get in. Because we had the delays as well, we had all this signage up like 
opening soon. Coming Everyone soon, could see yeah. the big construction work that was happening as well at the back. And I think being such a tight community as well, everyone was talking and just excited to see us open. And yeah. Yeah, man, it was that, crazy. What was but that, everyone was understanding, which is good. What was that feeling like for you, man? I, we, I've spoken before about how I felt that first Sunday where we got smashed. And it was... It's something that I'm glad it happened, but at the time it was the hardest thing of my life. What was that feeling like? Was it ever that feeling where you're like, man, I can't do this or it's too hard or what have we done? Or No, it was definitely, um, it was kind of like a good stress. Yeah. It's like, all right, this is our first day. People will be a lot more forgiving and understanding of, you know, just still teething issues at that point. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's the challenge of, okay, cool. We know we're going to be busy, but how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again mm. and we can give people the service and the product that they're that they're expecting and yeah. wanting so obviously that it blew your expectation that venue right? yeah 100 percent. and it just kept growing just kept growing it didn't we didn't have that all right let's open the first week we'll have a boom and then you drop and then you pick up again it was pretty much just boom and then kept growing and growing and growing that's amazing man and it's credit to you guys of what you've created and, and you've done the same thing with Goodfields, which we'll talk about a little bit as well um I want to touch a little, like, a little bit about family. Obviously, every yep. every venue you've done has been with family, right? Yeah. What, what's it like? You know, you got amazing parents, awesome brother. You guys all work together. What's the feeling like working with family? Like, how? Like, what's the pros and cons? I don't think I could. I definitely couldn't do anything to this scale if it wasn't for them. Um, wow. And I'm not sure if they would do it either. It's just we. It's like a partnership. It's a, it essentially is a partnership, yeah. um, but we we know each other so well that we don't have to talk. Um, we know straight away what the other person's thinking. We know how they're thinking before anything happens. Yeah. And the good thing is we can trust each other. Um, we've got such a strong bond that no matter what, no matter what indifferences we have or differing views, we can communicate, discuss. Yeah, we'll have a moment where we'll argue or... You know, our stubbornness comes through and it's like, no, we want it this way, I want it that way. But we can move on from it. Yeah. How I think do you, that's ha- the biggest thing. How, how do you do that? Because obviously family, obviously it's easy with family. You have an yeah. argument, the next day it's fine. But obviously it's a, it is a partnership at the end of the day, right? Like you have that respect for your parents, so you always got to respect them. But as you as you get older, your vision changes, your dad's old school, but your dad's absolute legend. Like, I think I like him more than you. But. <laughs> <laughs> I like him more than I like me too. Um, but it's it's hard, right? Like, because at the end of the day, your vision as you like my dad's vision and my vision are completely different. Yeah. How do how do you deal with that? Like, obviously, you guys, you and your dad, obviously, your mum and your brother are there, but it's you and your dad essentially making the big calls. But yeah, how do you deal with that? Working with your dad when the hard decisions come on. Um, look, our vision is both aligned, what we want, our end okay. result, um, and it's just about that middle ground and how to get there, how to achieve that, and. Dad's got the experience, plus I've got the the new young angle to take as well. So it's a really good balance that way. And I think we're both open understanding, but also we know what we want. It just works cohesively. We works well. Um, And I think as well, Dad's always got a young, he's got a young heart. He always wants to be young and trending and well he is he is he is (laughs) is. um so he sees that so that that everything you try to bring new and different he 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 respects that and appreciates that and sees that and we've always talked about like how do we grow forward how do we we, how so how do we grow bigger move forward Mm. and just keep bettering ourselves as well as the business yeah and i think that mentality as well is what helps us to i guess 
grow so well together. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. how, um, what's the responsibilities with you and your dad? Like, where's, is it, you guys obviously have days off when the other person's there, but yeah. if you're both there, is it just kind of both sharing the floor and making sure everything's fine? Yeah, um, sharing the floor, making sure everything's fine, talking a bit of shit where we can. Yeah. Um, basically just having fun. Look, we're a family. We try to bring that into the business as well. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing the staff how many hours a day, every day, and if you're not treating them like family, then it's not going to have that family dynamic. It's mm. not going to be fun and enjoyable. And when you do have those issues, you're not going to be able to move forward from them. 100%. Do yeah. you have, do you find it hard because you guys, there's so many of you guys working in the shop that you got three or four people that are family and the rest are all staff. Is it hard to kind of create a balance and, and do they get kind of like, do they feel that it's always used against them or is it kind of usually pretty, works well together? No, it works well together. Um, there's obviously... We try to, when we hire people, we try to look for like-minded people. Okay. We look for that personality as opposed to the skills. I mean, skills yeah. obviously do come into play at a, to a certain point, but if they're not the right personality, not the right fit, mm. then, then it's not going to last and it's not going to turn out well. It just won't work. Yeah, just yeah, won't 100%. work. And um, you've obviously, every venue you've opened has been super successful. You guys have done really well. Um, and then let's, and then obviously you open Goodfield and it's no different. It's pumping. Same thing. It blew your expectation out of the out of the park, right? Yeah, it did. So, can you talk to us a little bit about the process from compared to the butcher's block? What the process was like? What you learned, and then obviously going into Goodfields. I know we spoke a little bit about you knew how important storage was, mm. kitchen kitchen flow, all those things. What were the lessons you learned from butcher's block that helped you make um, Goodfields such a success? Um, I think probably the biggest thing is the busyness of butcher's block. Um, yeah. So we didn't, didn't expect it to be so busy, to be such a massive, I guess, footprint on the North Shore. And so we didn't factor into it all the storage space we needed, the cool room space, which is also why The Apprentice came along as well. It acted like a backup, extra cool room space, extra storage space, extra prep space. Yep. Um, so we thought going into Goodfield is like, we need to have a good balance of both storage, back of house, um, cool room, kitchen space as well. I mean, the kitchen in Butcher's work was tiny. Wow. So there was a point where if our kitchen was full of, because we needed all the hands on deck as well, if it was full, it was so hard for guys to turn around with hot pans. Jeez. Um, so it was very tight, very, wow. very cozy in there. How many meals back then were you making at Butcher's Block on a Saturday or Sunday service, you reckon? Oh, um, we had a probably about, so we'll close on Sundays. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's unheard of, man. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> Why? I think because we'd gone from, we'd come from a six day business okay. and this would have been the first suburban cafe as well. It's like, you know what, let's just try six days, see how it goes. If worse comes to worse, we just open seven days. Mm. Um, and I guess it was just that, finding that balance. And six days just worked out. And always, it was always six days? Yeah, it was wow. always six days. We never upped it to seven. Dad was always pushing for it. Yeah, I'm like, nah, you know what, I'm still young. I want to go out. I want to have my Sundays off. Okay, so it was more lifestyle kind of thing. Yeah. Decision, yeah. But I think dad kind of wanted it as well. Otherwise, it would have happened. Yeah, yeah if it yeah. really wanted it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So talk, so obviously, the busyness of, of um, Butcher's Block got you ready for Goodfields. What yeah. else did that business do to help you get ready? Uh, well, I guess it created a name for ourselves as well or bigger than what we already had, which is good. Uh, so a lot of our customers that were coming to Butcher's Block lived around lower to mid North Shore as well. Okay. There was nothing down that way that 
offered what we offered. Yeah. So when the offer came to open up in Linfield, it would, and to sell, and to sell butcher's work as well, it was kind of a no-brainer. It's like let's start again, uh, create a different brand, different concept, and just have some fun with it. Same quality, same service, but different concept. Yeah. Something. The, new. the fundamentals stay the same. Yeah. The, the framework, the groundwork, all stays the same. Just. Uh, hundred percent. New brand, is, new concept. Is it hard because you guys, have you ever owned more than one vineyard at a time? No. Other than well, the I guess just apprentice the, and the butcher's block, but they're That's essentially times. one, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it, never. You guys have bought, sold, bought, sold. Is that a model that you like doing? Is it just one because obviously you get the best value, you've kind of pushed it to its peak and then you're selling it. Is that, is that something, have you had any regrets about selling butcher's block or Mr. Spofforth or anything like that? I don't. I know Dad did. Yeah. When, so when we sold Butcher's Block, Dad was really upset. Really? Not really upset, but it was. I think it was a big piece of him. Yeah. Um, I think as well being the most growth that we had in a business as well, and Dad was pretty was like upset about selling it. Yeah. Um, especially when you're when you're going from being so busy to doing nothing. When you have those downtimes yeah. in between, you start thinking too much, overthinking things, and it's like, shit. Why do we sell? Why do we do this? Now we're not doing anything. Like you're, you're bored. The cash flow is not there anymore. Exactly. Um, but that, that would have set you up, set you guys up, not to retire, but you guys would have had a lot more opportunities to obviously open more businesses, buy property. So it kind of put you in a, in a good, better position. So it was the right yeah. decision to sell. Yeah, 100%. It's always, as long as you keep looking forward and moving forward, it's always going to be a good decision. Mm. And as long as you don't lose money. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of important. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and what, what is it that you think you guys have, why have you been so successful? Oh. You're very humble, so. <laughs> <Good question. laughs> um, I've got no idea, to be honest. But it, from growing up, from growing up young age with mom and dad, being in the business, like it was always about to literally measure a hundred times, cut once, uh, just measure everything, count everything, yeah. do your own due diligence, don't rely on other people, and just look at every every single aspect you can. It's like now when we make a business decision. We probably dwell on it for a week, two weeks, just critically thinking about all the different angles. Mm. That's amazing. That's a, that's a really good point because I think because you've only got one and I love the idea of one venue because then that you can just put your full, full focus yeah. in that. But it's just you, you have the time, you have the ability to stop and think, you know what, should we do this? And you have a week to think about it. If you had 10 venues, it'd be kind of just on the fly trying to, you know, so that makes sense yeah. 100%. And that kind of goes into my next question. Um obviously do, do your due diligence what kind of advice would you give to people that are saying hey we want to we want to open a venue like from leasing so like signing a lease all those kinds of process what's the advice you'd give them i think it's just i remember being back in uni and everyone every lecturer used to talk about how it's essential that you plan and a business plan is vital um to the success of every business and most businesses that don't have a business plan fail um i think it's having clear direction and a plan set in place from the beginning um which would definitely assist in in being successful because mm. um, that, that way you know what you want um what you want to achieve how you want to go about achieving it as long as you're still a little bit flexible within that plan yeah um should be good and talking about having that flexibility and and you guys open good fields yep. blows your expectation again out of the, out of the park did you do you look back now thinking shit we should have done this differently we should have built this differently or you guys done it pretty much as to capacity i think you always go through those moments where it's like oh what if i did this or what if i did that differently yeah. but 
we're definitely grateful how it is now. There's nothing really, I mean, butcher's work, 100% we had that issue of the space, mm. the storage, the kitchen space. But even then, it's like, you know what, it works. It works so well. And if we did something differently, would it still be the same? Yeah, okay. That's really cool, man. And yeah. how, how has um, hospitality changed for you, like for you and in the industry since you started? Like, what do you think the biggest changes are? Oh, definitely people. But I guess that's in just what way? from staff to customers. Um, I think that's just a general assumption globally in, in every aspect. Yeah, okay. Um, Consumer train, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything like that. I think, I think the biggest thing is social media, 100%. That has definitely affected, probably for the better as well, yeah. our industry. It's made, I guess, people more accessible to information. Um, they're so more educated about things, know a lot more. But maybe they know too much as well. Yeah. Or they so think they know too much. That was one of my questions. So social media is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, the, what's the pros and cons? Oh, pros. Well, I think cons definitely need to have a strong, a strong social media. Um, someone basically handling it. You need okay. to have a strong social media presence. So you outsource um, your, your We services? outsource ours, yeah. Okay. There's no way I could do it. I don't think dad could do it either. Um, you just don't enjoy it or you just not you don't think you guys good? I don't get it. Okay. Um, like I understand how it works. I understand the processes and stuff like that. And mm. But I'd rather get a professional to do it. It's like a lawyer. I'd rather get a lawyer to handle the legal stuff or an accountant to handle the accounting stuff. Yeah. I love um, that because because you're not super passionate about it and you yeah. don't understand it. You want to, you give it to, if you're signing a lease, you give it to a lawyer. Makes yeah. the same sense though. And how important... Can, you, is, can businesses survive and do just as well without social media? Yeah. I think word of mouth is still probably the strongest yep. uh, marketing tool out there. Okay. Um, social media connects you with those who don't know you're there or who, I guess, want to be, want to be seen somewhere. Yeah. And so do you, you obviously outsource your social media, day-to-day content, all those things, yeah. and then you collaborate with other vloggers like, um, Isaac eats a lot and, and those kind of people is that something you're going to keep pushing and growing yeah there's a select few of bloggers that will select work few that is, will work with Isaac's um, a legend eh? yeah the boys from brunch caller there's, there's a few there's, yeah, there's yeah. a few that's awesome, a limited man. amount I should yeah, say yeah. there's so many out there I remember so when we when we contracted the marketing company to handle our social media part of I guess the contract deal was that they get a blogger out once a month or however okay. often we want to, once a fortnight. And they just come in, have a free meal, blog about it. But it's not even blogging, it's just taking a photo and posting it. Keeping relevant, staying yeah. relevant. But it's, you, you soon realise that it's basically just about them and they don't do anything for the business. Yeah. As in some of them, don't be wrong, like some of them That's don't. why you pick, you select your ones. And it's so. like, you know what, just stop doing that. Yeah. I'll contact those who I want to, who are really good, yeah. um, you, who I actually find value in. So um, your, the social media agency you use, They'll, they'll select some bloggers, but you found they were time wasters, really. Yeah. Yeah. And now you select people like Isaac, like Brunch Crawler, like people that you know are, gonna, are good people that are going to create value. Yeah, 100%. I love that. And um, one, of, one of the biggest reasons uh, Anthony Y reached out to you was your experience. Uh, <laughs> was that small? <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, um, <laughs> we've got, we got a big man crush going on here. So um, your biggest thing, the reason why I reached out was you've created an amazing business and you're not both you and your dad aren't chef owner operators. Like you're obviously you own the business, but you're not in the kitchen running the kitchen. And I, that was always my biggest fear. Um, when creating the vision of what you've created with butcher's block and then Goodfields, 
how hard, what's it feel like creating a place and as amazing as Goodfields and thinking, well, here we go, we're putting the back of house in someone else's hands. What's that, what's that feeling like? Well, so when I wanted to get into, into the cafe game and I told dad when I was younger, it's like, I want to follow your footsteps as well and do the same thing you do. Dad's, the first thing dad said to me was, if you want to do this, you got to know how to do everything. You got to know how to cook, you got to know how to make coffee, you got to know how to clean, you got to know how to do the books, how to do the rostering, the wages, pretty much every aspect of it you need to know how to do. That way no one can grab you by the balls and try and twist them in a certain way. I love it. So essentially you're not holding your ransom. Yeah, basically. Um, and so f- working in the, in the cafes with mum and dad from a young age, I used to work in the kitchens. Um, so I used to love the whole cooking side of things and I wanted to become a chef. You said, so yeah. I got involved when I was younger, when I could. And so now when we design a menu, we would design it in a way with the chef that dad and I can jump in there if something were to happen. If one of the chefs walked out, if, I mean, everyone's a flight risk. 100%. No one's ever going to stay there forever. I mean, we're not going to stay there forever. And so we've got to know how to, how to handle ourselves if something does go wrong, just to cover, just to... So it doesn't yeah. matter if your barista leaves, your chef leaves, you yeah. can jump in, Absolutely. do the job. And, um, and do you still enjoy cooking? Yeah, I still love it. Yeah? yeah. Do you jump in there much? Uh, I more so annoy them, but we've got enough <laughs> staff on now. Like it's, it's a yeah. different size beast. How do you... Because you're hands-on with your dad at the shop, how do you know not to micromanage. If I'm at Percy's, I'm, it's, it's, I got, my staff do a better job than I do, but how do you learn to step back without with keeping the quality and the standard, but not over kind of micromanaging? Oh, good question. Um, oh, is that a hard, is that hard to do? It's, it's always gonna be hard to do, especially when you're there all day, all the time. But it's, it goes back to when you hire people, when you hire people with the right mindset, right personality, right mentality, everything just flows a lot better, smoother. So you don't, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, there's moments, yeah, 100% you need to, but no one understands your business like you do. 100%. Especially if you're hands-on in it, it's, you're there, you live it, you breathe it. Yeah. You know yeah. what needs to be done. You're going to see that empty water bottle that's on the table, the yeah. customer that's waiting at the table, yeah. or whatever it is. So. Like sometimes it needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's why it's, you need to be there, right? Yeah. Um, talking about staff, you have... Um, you've spoken before about um, staff following you from venue to venue, chefs, and, and I think one of your people behind the bar has been with you for like 15 years or something like that. Something yeah, crazy. she was working for us in Lane Cove, I think since 2006, wow. 2007. I mean, that, that's testament to you guys and the culture you've created. Um, h- how do you keep that culture? Like, wh- what do you do in regards to training? You know, wh- how important is culture to you and, and what do you do to keep it relevant? I think it's... I think we just try to be ourselves. Um, try to be ourselves as much as we can. That way we can create that whole family dynamic um, and respect everyone. Yeah. We try to respect people as much as we can. I mean, there's moments where it's hard to. <laughs> I'm sure you know. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I'm sure they feel the same thing about us as well. Yeah. Um, but I think we try not to leave things for training. We try to hit the nail on the head or like just try to get to the point straight away as soon as something goes wrong it's like hey um, this is wrong for this reason let's try and fix it and just spread the word like that throughout everyone and so so you got a new okay so when you first open you got the main team you're training them you set them up sequence yep. of service what's your process now like when you're hiring someone is it just come to a trial and then learn as you go come to a trial if once again if you're the right personality 
um, no problem. As long as you're you're hungry for it and you want to learn or you want to, you actually want to be there. Um, if you don't want to be there, when you can see it straight away. You mm. just know um, it's just not going to work. And then just come in trial if you like it. Come back for a full day. We'll pay you for the full day without issue. Um, see if you like it. Most importantly, yeah. and if we like you, and then see where it blossoms. That's awesome. And how many yeah. staff do you have at Goodfields at the moment? It's about 30 staff. 30. And then on a busiest day, how many do you have on the floor? Oh, in kitchen and floor. So on the busiest day, probably about 20. 20. Yeah. How do you manage that on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday? Or uh, it's, it's not that hard. Everyone's got their role. Everyone knows their position. Everyone knows their, their responsibilities, their duties. Mm. Um, and everyone works touch wood. Everyone works well in yeah. team. Do you, do you have like... You know, I've tried to streamline things as much as possible, but do you have things where you, people come in, they look at a certain paper or board and they go, cool, we've got four people behind bar, Anthony, Phil, blah, 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 blah. We've got six people in the sh Do you do that or is it more just come in, you know where your role is? No, so we, we have sections. So for floor staff, we have the sections ready to delegate go. to them being on the day. Um, and then everyone else knows where the positions are. So, so it's just basically just the floor, floor yeah. staff, trying to keep them excited and new roles, new responsibilities. Yeah. With with butcher's block and then Goodfields, how much is that? How much of that stuff has changed? Like sections and and obviously roles and responsibility. Has that changed, or is pretty much the same thing in regards to setting up for the day? Pretty much the same thing. Um, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Nothing's really changed yeah. in that aspect. Um, if something does change, especially now with COVID, things have changed in that yeah. respect. But the processes, the fundamentals, are still the same. Yeah, cool. And um, and and you know, obviously, we spoke a little bit about social media. How do you keep, other than social media, how do you keep your business relevant? Like, what are you doing to bring, keep, keep bringing people back? Um, I think it comes back to how dad's always taught me of how we've always thought of how do we better ourselves? How do we keep moving forward with the times and just don't get stale, don't get complacent, um, whether it's through products, um, through new food items, menus, drinks, um, just try to keep keep things new and exciting and vibrant because you guys are at a position where you're very busy with takeaway it's yep. it's a buzzing area um it's funny like you, now you think why wasn't anything like that standard there before but you obviously it's what you've created i don't think many people could have created what you created but i think it's yeah constantly changing menus drinks how often do you change your food menu uh, from three to four times a year so, so seasonal. seasonally yeah. yeah and then coffee obviously um You've recently changed. You're using uh, Reformatory Lab. Yes, yes. Um, how are they? Fantastic. I mean, the products, the products are fantastic. The the coffees that they can get in, the the what they can get their hands on as well, is absolutely amazing. And the support we get from them. You spoke very highly of those guys. Can we? And we don't need to talk about who and what, but yeah. what how, things are changing now in the industry. Where people used to see a deal that you get two coffee machines, the grinders, and you used to, you got blinded by the price of the coffee. How's it changed? How has that changed from back, to, again, back to from Butcher's Block to Goodfields in regards to equipment and pricing? And I think coffee's become a lot more competitive. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot more competitive. There's a lot more players in the market, which isn't a bad thing for us as business owners, but at the same time, it's also become a lot more ruthless. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter what machines you can get, what toys you can get to play with. It's how you can utilize the product itself, the coffee, yeah. and you, how you can use the machines, if you, whatever you choose to get, to give the right product for your business. All right, and 
you know, back in the day, signing a four-year contract at X amount of price, yeah. at least the equi equipment from the company. How has that changed for you? Uh, there's no more contracts, which is good. Yeah. Um, is, that I general, think, is that general now? Or is that just mainly what you, the way you guys do things? I think generally as well, but then I'm talking from our angle. Yeah. I mean, someone else out there in a different position might need to go on a contract. It just sort of come, all comes down to the to the roaster. Yeah, okay. Um, but just for us, generally, we won't sign a contract. Um, we don't like to have our hands tied. Yeah. And end of the day, as long as the product's good, as long as the transparency's there, that we know what's happening, the supplier knows what's happening, there will never be an issue. Yeah, I think that's the thing as well. Like if the company's confident that they don't need a contract, it means they, they yeah. can back the product up, right? Yeah. Um, Anthony, we all, I try to always ask this question with any successful operator, um, wage costs, food costs, um, rent, percentage. Do you guys work off, I don't need to know exact numbers of what you guys are turning over, whatever, but is there a percentage that you guys try to work off you know, it's changed heaps since Butcher's Block yeah. days. Like, the, obviously, the numbers have dropped. It's just not as profitable as business, uh, hospitality is as, as it was back in the day. But is there an, a sort of model you work off or a sort of number you work off? Ooh. I think we try to keep our wages around 30%. Okay. Um, like everyone out there does. Yeah. You can get lower. I mean, what's kudos, a, that's awesome. What's a max wage cost? Probably about 32%. Uh, okay. Um, but... For us as well, when we want to have that extra staff member on just to be able to give that experience. Mm. And one of the things we teach our or try to push onto our floor staff is give the customer the experience where they come back for you. Yeah. You know, get to know them, treat them like family, you know, get to know what they're doing on the weekend or just obviously the ones that want to. Um, as in the customers who want that kind of relationship. Yeah. 100% do that. It's part of the service, part of the experience. Um, but then when back a house where we can utilize, try to keep people busy where we can and try to minimize our, our costs on that side. Yeah. So talking about back a house and, and obviously food, food and beverage costs, is there a number as well that you work there with? And, and how do you minimize wastage? How do you minimize, like it's, it's a hard, cause you're not in the kitchen all the yeah. time. So you don't know what's being thrown out. You don't know. And that's always something that's like one week you might have a 23% and one week you have a 28%. Like how do you maintain that consistency? And what is that number for you? I think, look, we, we try to experiment as well when we can, play around with the chefs, yeah. um, keep things exciting for them as well and try to see how creative they can get with new dishes or even just something for us, like a staff meal. It's like, okay, let's just, let's buy this product. Let's buy this like amazing piece of Wagyu on like yeah. the side or something like that and just cook it up for the kitchen or we'll try it out. Um, so we're not, I think it's hard to stay stringent on those cost side of things especially when you look at the whole brand as a whole yeah um i don't know if this really answers your question or not, well, no, um, it's just like, every answer is different every person we we leave a bit of room there okay for experimenting and for buying new things in um we try to keep it like maximum maximum 30 percent. yeah okay um but at the same time if we've got to push that out a bit we're happy to do that course yeah no, that's good to know um and then what do you what do you enjoy most about the industry and and owning a, a cafe i like it because everyone brings something different to the table yeah. like everyone keeps it exciting keeps things changing and evolving um and i just love that so there's always someone else out there doing something different that you've never thought of doing and 
It is amazing that many venues, that so many different venues, but then like the, one of the dishes you created, the lobster Benedict, like was it the lobster Benedict or yeah. was it the, on the bagel? Like that's something I'd never seen before. And it was so cool and so different. And it's like, why hasn't anyone thought of that? Like it's really cool how people are just constantly creating and changing, eh? Yeah, 100%. I mean, like I said, everyone's got some kind of different experience behind them or some different link yeah. or cultural element that can add an influential part on any kind of business, 100%. especially our industry, which yeah, is awesome. For sure, man. And um, how do you, we spoke about this before, and Osh, our good friend Osh was talking about reviews. <laughs> Shout out um, to Osh. <laughs> I told him he's coming on the show, so. Oh, he showed me, he showed me. <laughs> <laughs> he's very excited. He's so good, he's such a good guy, man. Yeah. But how do you do, I mean, you got an amazing ability to stay calm and, and, and even in the store, bro, like yeah. you, I see how you work and your dad works and you just got this ability to just, no matter what's happening, you don't get flustered. But bad reviews are hard. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I, I got, there's a lot of emotion when I when I do, everything I do is through emotion. But how do you deal with a review re, reviews? You don't get many bad reviews, but how do you deal with those bad reviews? And well, I got a few bad reviews. Yeah, but I, I just um, it could be jealousy. But how do you deal with them? How do you respond to them? I remember the so the first day we opened up Butcher's Block. Uh, I think she's like our second or third customer that came through. It was the first review I had ever gotten being involved in the business to that side of things and she, she ordered just a coffee and a banana bread see i remember i still remember it very vividly um, <laughs> is your eye twitching there <laughs> yeah it is it is and it's like it was just the most basic review as well it's like um good coffee banana bread's okay it was like three stars i think and i'm like what the hell just get that knife and oh. just like right in there and i don't know why i think this was my first business as well it's like oh that sucks that's so mm. shit um but now you got to look at all angles of it. Think about, like, look at it critically. Be like, okay, is there any element here that was in our control that you missed, that we missed, that we stuffed up on? Like, mm -hmm. is the element of truth there? Are they just having a bad day, or it's just just out of jealousy or something like that? I mean, yeah. we've had reviews where we've been called racists, um, which is funny because we're such a multi multicultural team. Yeah, it's like that wouldn't stand if we were yeah jealousy could like, be yeah uh, yeah so what's your view so how do, sorry how do you deal with the review so you get a bad review what's your response um i used to i used to reply to them used to make try and make a point of replying to them being like just you know apologetic sorry this happened we didn't live up to expectation mm. is there anything we can do differently or make up for this situation please contact us something along that line but now it's probably sound horrible, but now I'm just over it. Yeah, it's like, you ignore it. You know what? Like, I like I'll still read them. I'll read them. I'll look at them and decipher it. Whether okay, whether we fuck up on or what what actually happened. Yeah, you know, speak to whoever was mentioned in there or whatever the situation was. Is that the bottom of it? And then is that an experience thing where you just now you're like you haven't got the time for these the ones that have merit. Yeah, you want yeah. if they say the meat patty was undercooked or whatever it is, or mm -hmm. you know it was cold. You go to the kitchen, you speak to them. But is it just be, is that an experience thing? Because I still struggle massively with bad reviews. Like yeah. it, it'll ruin my day. Is that something where you feel that now that you, you know after your third or fourth venue, you kind of just become numb to the? You're just looking at it, think this guy's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. It once again depends on situation. Yeah, um, yeah. There might be times where we actually have fucked up and they've got every ground to be upset, but. Mm -hmm. It's like, why can't you just come and say it to our face? I don't like. It's my biggest thing, man. Yeah, just if you bring care it up, that, if you care that, that moment, much, yeah. Because yeah. you 100% fix the issue if they come up to you and say, "Look, I had 
the customer, the staff was rude or the food was cold. You'd fix yeah. that issue straight away, right? Without a doubt, it's the best situation you can be in because yeah. you've got time to actually prove to them how you really are, how you really operate. 100%. And you can, you can make sure that they walk away happy. Mm. Sometimes you can't because they're just miserable, miserable people. grumpy fuckers. Yeah, some people are happy being unhappy, right? Excuse my French. That's no, it's cool, man. It's, yeah. it's be free. Um, <laughs> and and how do you, what do you think about so many different review platforms? Like, do you think there should be a more of a, like a, a harder process to leave a, I know people like Google aren't going to make it harder because then they want people to use their, their page and whatnot but for businesses man do you think it's do you think this is real damaging do you think there should be a more of a process where people leave a bad review there has to be proof yeah 100% um, you know what it's more so damaging mentally I think to the business owner than it actually is to the business unless the business is that shit yeah where okay. every review is bad and the place is just bad in general um, but the Burger Collective does it really well. So they got a QR code where they put into the premises and you got to scan the QR code to prove that you were there. And then you can leave a review. Okay. Which I think is like a really good way to ensure the customer's coming in and there's traceability there as well. 100%. It just blows my mind that people want to leave, like people just want to leave bad reviews even though it wasn't that bad. Like yeah. it just, it blows my mind, man. Um, I don't want to talk I about- I remember <laughs> you telling me your banana bread story. <laughs> that was unbelievable, man. And I'll, I'll explain that one day, but it was just- well, let's the listeners want to hear that. Well, I haven't heard it already. You know what? Let's yeah, we'll talk about it. Like we had someone come in, complain about banana bread. Um, there was an issue with the banana bread, even though it's the same way we do it every time. And then when I replied to him, and I replied to him real respectfully and things like that. But was that the fourth or fifth rewrite of the reply? Well, that was a f probably fifteenth. Fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just so obviously they sent us this message, really rude, really disrespectful, and I've never replied with anger. I kill him with kindness, right? Mm -hmm. And then I replied to him like, "Hey, we missed the mark. This is how we do things." Things, but next time let us know and then he he replied even though i should have been happy he replied saying hey look had nothing to do with your food i was having a bad day yeah and it would just that's when i wanted to send him that message and say are you serious like it ruined my day like it was with my family at the zoo i remember and i just ruined my day so um it's sometimes not used to what i think it's not personal right yeah so reviews man <laughs> <laughs> um hospital you know, talking obviously reviews is part of it, but hospitality is a hard industry, man. And, and you guys do such a great job. How hard is it to switch off for yourself personally? Have you found a balance? Um, yeah, there's moments we can switch off, but at the same time, because we're family involved, and I still live at home with mom and dad, so pretty much we always talk about business. I think it, it's more of passion. It's not just work. It's what we live for. It's part of part of our life. Like yeah. it's our life essentially. Yeah. I know it sounds horrible, but it's I not a bad thing. Like not at all. Yeah. yeah. It's part of your life. It's it's not a bad thing to have. Have a cafe, your friends come, visit, like it's yeah. part of you know who you are. So um do you struggle to switch off though? Like no. no? I can find balance. That's um, good. If I'm I need to do I think I was telling you before as well, I need to keep stimulated. If I'm not stimulated, yeah, I get bored and then that's when you start thinking about things and you start you know, just don't switch off. You start yeah. thinking about work. It's like, hey, what if we do this? What if we do that? But it's more an excitement. I'm like, oh, let's, what else can we do? What's something new that we can bring into it? Yeah. Um, so you're always thinking about it. But I, I'm, I think I've got a pretty good balance being able to switch off from it. That's good, man. That's yeah. very hard to do. So the fact yeah. that you've been able to do that is really well. Have, have you dealt with any issues? Like we, we speak a lot about the good and the success and, and how amazing the businesses people have created. But mental health is a serious thing and, and we talk about anxiety and depression and I talk about, I never knew what anxiety was until I opened Percy's and <laughs> anxiety it gave me was massive. But do, have you suffered from any of that during any of your shops? I think that's something that everyone overlooks when they try to 
come first time into the industry. Yeah. Um, I think I'm very lucky once again that I've got mum and dad there. So we can always talk about our issues, mm. get everything out on the table and got the support there from each other. And we know, I think from the experience that mum and dad have had as well, we just know how to overcome that's any awesome, kind of bad man. situation. So it doesn't really get to that level. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone that's in the industry, that owns a shop, that's struggling? Like, how do, how do, how do they deal with it? Talk. Talk. Talk it out. Communicate. Just find someone to speak to. Open that's up. That's awesome. Let's let it out. Um, they might offer a different perspective. Might help you see things differently. Mm. That's but cool, man. definitely do not bottle it up. Do not keep it in you. Just Worst let it out. Do. Let yeah. it flow. Get a you couple need- beers down here or something like that and just <laughs> talk. Um... You've obviously spoken a lot about your family, especially your dad and, and the impact they've had on your life. What is your dad your biggest mentor? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. What, yeah. what is he, what has he done? What's one thing you can say that the reason you are who you are, like what is it about him that's made you the man you are? I think seeing, seeing what he's achieved with his life. I mean, he came out here in his late twenties, met mom in Greece. Mum was always back and forth between Australia and Greece. And so, he came out here not knowing anyone except for mum and her family. Um, didn't know a word of English. Started working in a metal fabrication company out in Smithfield. So doing all the street poles, the street sign poles, all that kind of stuff. And slowly, slowly learning the language, you know, learning this whole new world basically out here. The real and entrepreneurs, then, man. Yeah, and then started started working in one of mum's uncle's takeaway shops, found a passion for food and pursued it. And he, he made you know, he made everything basically. Yeah, he, it's, he, it's really cool to see yeah. the relationship you guys have. He's the best mates. Like it's yeah. it's really cool, man. So um, I have so much love and respect for your dad. And I remember he came out. You guys visited when we first opened, and um, something wasn't right with the dish. But he just came. He could tell it was from his heart that he just wanted to make sure that I knew so we could fix the problem. And it was yeah. it was funny because at the time, like anyone told me anything, I'd probably break down. But I remember he told me, but it was just it was so much love and care in what he was trying mm-hmm. to tell me that I was like, this guy really cares. Yeah. He really wants to help. So He looks uh, scary, but he's got the biggest heart. <laughs> the he's best heart, bro. He's, he's beautiful. Super human, soft. So, he's and it, obviously it comes through with you and um, who you are as a person. So, Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, brother, what's, what's one piece of advice you give to someone wanting to get into the industry? Measure a thousand times. Measure just, a thousand times. I love that. Just count everything, measure everything. You can never measure enough. You can never count enough. And not just literally bench space, but I mean, look at your rents, look at your leases, look where you're going, look at the products you want to offer. Just think about everything and think about it critically. If someone can't afford, I mean, if they can't afford that advice, they shouldn't be opening, but is it just, is it just hiring the right lawyers, hiring the right accountants to yeah. make sure everything's in line, right? There's a reason why they say you've got to spend money to make money. Mm. And it's spending money in the right way, not the wrong way. Yeah. It's not about flashy fittings or you know, what kind of door handle you're going to put on the toilet door, for example. It's get the right advice, spend money on lawyers, on accountants. Yeah. Set yourself up right from the beginning. Yeah. Don't wait. Because they're the foundations, basically. Like once your lease is signed, it's signed. That's it, you can't know once your company's anyway. formed, it's formed. Once yeah. all this is done. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, only a few more questions, I promise. Okay. I'm not going to keep you <laughs> We're going to see your handsome face. Yeah, you're a good man. Thank you. Um, Three things you want people to say about your venue after they've visited. um, Just talk about the amazing experience they had, hopefully, with the service, products, um, the fit out, everything. Um, Talk about how hopefully they felt like they're part of the family. Um, And... 
just unique, I guess. Yeah. Well, that ticks all the boxes for me when I visit, man. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, brother, what's, uh, how was COVID? Um, how, how did, COVID was hard for everyone. Yeah. When it first happened, 23rd of March, no more venues um, to dine in, takeaway only. How hard was that for you and your family? And how did you guys deal with that? Um, look, it was hard for everyone, without a doubt. It, for us, it was for my mum, dad, and myself. We were okay personally, but it's more so the staff that you can't look after mm. in that period. I mean, job keeper, job seeker, you got to fit certain criteria to to be applicable for it. Yeah. Um, so we were doing okay. It's just more so thinking about them, which was the harder side of things. Yeah. Um, so we, the business, we obviously shut down for sit down but we stayed open for takeaway you didn't close at all um, they didn't close at all yeah. so mom and dad obviously with the experience have had takeaway shops it was kind of like okay let's Go change back. things a bit you know start off in your products um, we started doing we're like we so our background's greek obviously um so we thought let's just do some greek dinner packs greek take-home meals stuff that we know that we yeah. eat you know, try and create a new experience at home of like eating how we eat, basically. Mm. And it worked well, which is really good. That's awesome. And did you find cafes in areas like yours were thriving? Obviously, city took a massive hit. Oh, Your areas, obviously, people working from home. Yeah. So it comes with a different ballgame. I mean, you guys rely heavily on the train in the mornings, but did, have you noticed that drop, obviously, during that period? Yeah. Even now, it's still a lot lower than what it used to be. Okay. But we're very lucky that we're situated right next to IGA, next to Harris Farm. Yeah. Um, and Harris Farm having such a big footprint now in the market, it's everyone wants to come to it, which is good. Yeah. And we're the only one within a certain radius. So we had those big draw cards there as it was. Yeah. And so we still had foot traffic coming through, which is good. And then the locals who supported us from the beginning were still there. That's awesome. Which is awesome. What do you think the industry look like looks like now, man, with COVID? Like do you think what what does the future look like? It's going to be very interesting to see how we all come out of it. I mean, I think I was hearing yesterday that they're looking at vaccines for Australia end of 2021, which means restrictions still in play and no traveling. Um, so it's a long way away before we see any kind of changes, I guess, whether it's reduced seating capacity, whether we can go back to normal or not, and just how we interact with customers, whether we still have to you know, sanitize everyone and make sure they check in. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you guys have gone from, I think you said 80 to 90 seats to 50 seats. Yeah. Um, what kind of impact has that had on your revenue? Like, have you been able to turn tables quicker so you haven't felt a massive hit on? From from a business side, um, might sound horrible to a few people, but we've had to introduce um, like one hour seating limits, especially during peak times. That's normal, And yeah. to sit down, you have to eat. It's not just a business meeting for coffee. Yeah. I mean, you still get people coming through. It's like, they want to have a. They want to sit at a quiet table and have an important business meeting. It's like, no, Doesn't this isn't the venue for you. Yeah, you got other options down the street if you want yeah. to, or just go to your office if it's that important. Is that hard? I mean, going back to kind of that experience, like, is that hard because you want to give the best experience, but also it's a business. So finding yeah. that balance, right? Yeah, it, it is hard, um, especially when we're in hospitality. We've got to be hospitable, but mm. another day, especially with taking a hit with COVID. Yeah. Unfortunately, business is business. Yeah, we, 100%. I mean, we try to employ maximum staff we can still to make sure that they still got revenue coming through for themselves. Yeah. It's like, you know what? We need to turn tables. And as you know, if you don't turn tables, you don't make money. Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, we've got a few more questions. 
again. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next for you, mate? So obviously you're with your family. Yep. Um, Goodfields is pumping. You try to keep. You usually only have one venue at a time. What's next for yourself? Do you see your future in cafes, restaurants, bars, um, with family? Do you think you'll do your own thing? Like, what's what's next for Anthony? I've always wanted to. My dream from a young kid was just starting a franchise, which is the hardest wow. thing um, to do. And I've had, I know you've had a couple of guys on here as well, which is yeah. pretty interesting to see their their views and mindsets into it all. Uh, but I've always had that vision and that dream to do something like that. I don't know how soon I'll achieve that, uh, but still, I think down the track. Would it, would it be the Goodfields kind of style, but just in a franchise model? That kind of, or would it be more of like smaller versions? And if I can do big scale. Um, so large, large sites, yes, but that's gonna be so hard. Yeah, especially trying to get those leases and stuff like 100%. that. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. That's interesting. I never knew that about you. I didn't know you wanted. Yeah, to, yeah, that's really cool. So, is that something you think you'll do? Yeah, eventually, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's in my mind, so I have to achieve it. I can't oh, not you'll, let it sit. You hundred percent achieve it. If <laughs> but yeah, that's more long term, short term. Just ride the wave for now. That's Try awesome. and have fun. Keep doing what we're doing. Enjoy it and just enjoy it as much as possible. No, enjoy really even those stressful moments. That's what makes the fun moments really enjoyable is yeah. you've gone through the stressful, right? Yeah, it's the parts we love to hate. A hundred percent. And is obviously, is there any, you know, we spoke a lot of different things here. Is there anything you think I've missed that we can add to this podcast? Anything I've missed about business or, or something that can help someone listening? Um, not really. I think just if you were to do something like this, just go in it with all your heart. And just measure a hundred times. Can can you do a measure a hundred times? I love that, man. That's I've never heard that, and I love it. it. Is can you do this if you're not obsessed and you're not passionate, passionate about the industry? We see. So, mum and dad have sold. Um, obviously, any experienced operator will know you don't buy established. You always try and build where you can. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people that mum and dad have sold to were people first time in the industry buying in, and. You just see it, like they're just not in it 100%. They're doing yeah. it because they think, oh yeah, cool, I can make, I have good cash flow, but it's not the right reason to get into the industry. It's not, right, yeah. it's not, right, it's not the right reason to do anything. Yeah. Um, and it's going to eventually eat at you. That's 100%. And I think, you know what it is, man? I, like I look at it and obviously we're in business to make money, but I think the industry is so hard. If you, that's yeah. purely your sole focus, you're in the wrong industry, man. Yeah. So, Anthony, how much of your success do you put to luck and how much do you put to hard work? I don't think luck exists. Um, I think it's just how the, the decisions you make, the processes you take, um, and just how you plan. Mm. I think it all comes down to those things. I love it. Every, an every, every answer is different and, and, and none yeah. of them are wrong. So, yeah. Anthony, thank you so much for your time, brother. I really appreciate it. You've, you've always given me the time. Um, and, you know, now we've got a good friendship, brotherhood. So, um, I, I wish... you blossomed into something bigger than that, do Well, you? it's... it's, it's don't, no, don't tell our partners. <laughs> no one can see us holding hands, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I really appreciate your time, brother. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Thank you. Cheers, brother.